Hey listeners, we have a quick announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, the rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Paul here, 11 years ago today, wheelchaired off the floor for reasons he will keep to himself. <laughs> I have a confession to make. Whoa. I just had to go to a bathroom. A number a wheelchair? one or a I had to go two. to the bathroom. But why did you need a wheelchair to get to the bathroom? It was that I, bad. Was, something went down. I had to <laughs> go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, you were streaking. Okay, anywho, uh, injuries. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the next wall podcast. We are we are back. We are here uh, after a large Toronto Raptors victory, a large Steph Curry game. Uh, I am Anthony Corbo. I'm your host. Uh, I'm joined here by Brian Giberman, as I always am. I didn't poop in my pants. No, Brian didn't. Someone else did. It wasn't our guest for tonight either. It certainly wasn't Evan Cole from the Knicks wall. No, my pants are clean as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we're all good to go on this side of things. Uh, before we get to who actually did poop their pants, you can. Uh, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. <laughs> you can follow the Knicks wall on Twitter. You can follow TKW Podcasts on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts at. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, listen to Draft Season, hosted by Mike Cortez every Sunday uh, or Monday sometimes. You know, things happen. Um, check out thenextwall.com. You know, Evan's got some great pieces up there. All of our writers got some great pieces up there. Um, you know, follow us all on Twitter at Corbo Anthony, at Brian Gibberman, at Evan Cole with an I instead of an L. We went over this last time. We won't repeat the shtick. But uh, so we're here. Big things happened. The Raptors took a game. Steph Curry went nuts. But above all, we have the anniversary. Ten years ago today, Paul Pierce was wheeled off the court, suffering what looked to be a, you know, a contact play. But it it was much more dire than that. He needed a wheelchair to get off of there. You know, he was being carried out, uh, you know, by his arms and legs, by his teammates and, uh, you know, writhing in pain. Um, 
But the truth comes out, as it always does. Ten years later, we found out that Paul Pierce just kind of had to poop. Do you guys believe it? Um, yeah. yeah, I believe it. Um, there's been those times where you just got to go uncontrollably. I, I can't imagine it happening in a finals game, but mm. I've also never played in a finals game myself. Though There's definitely, I think I saw a picture on Twitter with uh, his shorts kind of soiled from the back. So there's, <laughs> yeah. the, there's the ta- photographic evidence at least supporting his claim. Yeah, I believe Jalen today said something like, uh, you, you know, he was calling him out, said that it might have been leaking a little bit. Uh, you know, the angles that you see at certain points, like, you know, there's certainly some coverage trying to, you know, some uh, some teammates trying to cover up some certain areas on Paul Pierce. You know, he's got the, you know, those those white Celtics uniforms. I can only imagine uh, the staining that goes on there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you talk about the heart of a champion um, to help cover up for your teammate there. That's the ultimate sacrifice. It's a tough scene. It really Absolutely. is a tough scene. The dude who um, in the locker room has to go around and collect those pants and wash them. Man, that's a, a uh, shitty job that time. Do they even yeah. wash those? I mean, like, you're talking NBA players here. Like, they. I mean, I'm kind of under the impression that NBA players get new uniforms. Oh, no, like, no, no. They they reuse the same ones. Like, if so, uh, if a player gives a jersey away in the crowd, they have to pay for that jersey. They they absolutely oh. use the same ones. Like I So, usually, uh, like, when I covered the Suns, there was a large bucket, and all the stuff got thrown in that bucket, and someone would take it away and wash it. I just... I hope that Paul Pierce had to go ahead and play the rest oh, of the game in his soiled britches. That's all I have to say about that. All right, so he did He did tweet after the game, sorry to bust y'all haters bubble, but the only pooping I did June 5th, 2008, was on the Lakers. Facts, haters going to hate. And then he tried to hashtag... Um, the crying face laughing emoji. I don't know why he was trying to hashtag no. emoji. He's okay. not good at Twitter. I'm going to just glaze right over that end part there. Uh, no, no, you don't get to be the guy who pooped himself and then be like, <laughs> nah, just kidding. I didn't poop myself. Like, he told that story on national TV today, and I looked at his face after. The, like, cringe smile you got to try to hold when you're trying to keep face, but you just pooped yourself. Like, he might as well have just done the same thing on air 10 years later to commemorate the day. Because it, it's basically the reaction that he had on air from there. It just feels like Paul Pierce is just like in retirement. He feels like he earned this kind of respect where he could just say and do whatever he wants and we laugh it off. It's like, oh, it's Paul Pierce. It's an all-time great. But he just winds up repeatedly dunking on himself every single yeah. time without failure. It's, it's incredibly true because it's just like he really just thinks he's one of the guys. It's Hall mm-hmm. of Famer Paul Pierce here. It's, you know, elite player Paul. Like he puts himself into that top-tier conversation. Like I, I truly feel, and listen, you're an NBA champion, you, you know, you, whatever. Paul Pierce's resume is Paul Pierce's resume. I'm not saying that the guy can't feel good about himself. But, you know, know the company that you're in is all I'm saying here. Yeah, you're the guy taken, who pooped your pants at the party. He's taking this talk to another level, um, for sure. His retirement uh, ceremony was on a Facebook Live, for crying out loud. So, I don't know. Um. Uh, do we, do we have anything more to say about Paul Pierce pooping himself, or can we move on to uh, the NBA Finals, the the uh, the secondary story here? I got no more poop jokes. 
The uh, story of the night, though, Seth Curry went off for how many points? 47, 47. He had 47. 47, 8, and 7. Klein by himself. 8, and 7. And what, and what was the final score of the night? 123-109, the Raptors. Yep. 14-point game. Just couldn't get it done. I I mean you have no you have no Clay Thompson obviously I thought I didn't see too much of the first quarter of the game but up until it seemed like the end it felt like Draymond kind of fell asleep for a bit, uh, you know Demarcus was, uh you know awful tonight, uh you know the the moment they probably needed him Andre kind of started off decent but then disappeared after a minute like it kind of just showed you know. If anything, Clay Thompson's absence here really showed the limitations of the the Golden State, um, you know, role players that were getting a lot of praise earlier on in the series and throughout the playoffs. Like, there really is a certain point where, you know, you you start taking big pieces away from that Golden State lineup, and it it just they just can't compete after a while. They seem invincible, and it's just you know you the cracks really start to show once you start taking some guys away here tonight i i I actually thought was more about the defense than the offense even though they i mean they shot 36 percent from the field but they hit 12 threes and how much they got to the foul line kind of saved the offense they were 25 for 30 from the foul line including 13 of 14 from steph the raptors shot 52 percent from the field were 17 of 38 from three so yeah, Clay and Clay, and we can't forget Looney. I mean, that's two of the key parts that make Golden State's defense elite. You're asking Dre, and you're replacing that with Demarcus Cousins, Jonas Jonas Jerecko, Andrew Bogut, Quinn Cook. I mean, that there's not a lot of defense. Alfonso McKinney, the guys who are and Sean Livingston, the guys who are stepping up in that place. It's just a massive drop off on defense and it that really came back to bite them tonight. Yeah, and the inability to guard the Raptors actions both on the perimeter and in the paint really just enabled everybody on Toronto to get in a great rhythm in the fourth quarter. We just saw it repeatedly where, you know, if even if there was a glimmer of hope for Golden State to claw back in, Toronto was able to hit that uh mental killing shot just because they were so in rhythm early in the game. And then Cousins offensively what we thought was going to happen in game two, or at least myself and I assume most people thought the same thing. What in game two when he started, it happened tonight. He did it right when he was in like the tertiary role, role, but when they needed him to be like the one of the main cogs. And if Cousins was Pelicans or Kings Cousins, he would have been the second option tonight to step, and they really needed that from him. Yeah. And they got four they, points. He was one of seven from the field, and he couldn't he couldn't make a layup. He had no lift in his legs. He was a complete disaster. I mean, it's strange because with him with him being back, like you know, in the game and him playing again, just it, the hype around him coming back was probably a little bit overblown at the beginning too. But it's just like he this was really the opportunity that they needed him to step up. Like if he was going to be back just in time for any point, like this was going to be it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, I mean, especially with, you know, Kevon Looney out and how much he's done for them in the playoffs this year too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just at a certain point when you're just, you have Draymond who's responsible for a lot of other things on the court than just, you know, helping on the scoring load and, you know, not much else beyond there other than Steph. I mean, you're, you're, 
it, it's it's going to be hard to keep up with a. I, I thought the Raptors, honestly, were not really. We haven't spoken too much about either. Like, I thought that they had a, a bit of an incomplete game too. I thought that they had, you know, some solid. Uh, you know, they they had some like solid moments, like getting into you know, especially through the first quarter and how they ended off the game, and, and for the large part, but they really felt like they kind of fell asleep for a little bit in there too, just not being able to score anything for a little while. And you know, they Golden State certainly had opportunities to take more advantage, and I thought that Steph obviously did everything that he could, but you know, at a certain point, you just you just don't have the pieces to stack up against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt there were moments, particularly in the start of the second, and then for a great portion of the fourth quarter, where the Raptors really could have just gone for the kill, ended the game entirely, but. They let the Warriors lurk around them. It didn't burn them because, you know, outside of Steph, there really wasn't much creation uh, for a large stretch of that game. Um, Yeah, like Brian said, I mean, uh, Boogie had no mobility on the defensive end, and he had zero lifts trying to finish around the basket on the offensive end. And with the exception of Quinn Cook hitting a few shots, there really wasn't much out there once uh, Steph found open men. And where... Not having not having Clay and KD with Steph, or at least one of them, really came back to kill. Like those grab and go rebounds from Draymond, they were able to close down on him and not worry about the shooters spacing the court. He had a bunch of turnovers off his passes. What he had four turnovers, and I would bet three three of four of them came off him passing the ball, trying to kick it out or. He got blocked at the he got blocked at the rim a couple times. Just the his the space that Draymond needed to operate wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And really, the, that Fred Van Fleet crazy three that kind of clinched everything in the in the last minute of the game that was a great kind of synopsis for everything that happened. Those it was I mean the seventeen threes. It seemed like every time Toronto got uh, Golden State got a little bit close. Toronto hit a three. Lowry hit five of nine, and Danny Green hit six of ten. So I mean, that was yeah. that's eleven of nineteen. Fred Van between those three, Fred those two and Fred Van Fleet was three of six. So that's fourteen of of twenty five from three. That that's mm. the, that's the game right there. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, Lowry was huge. I mean, if there was any difference maker on the Toronto side, it's just. Kyle Lowry being able to, I mean, and it wasn't like, it wasn't even just the three pointers. Like his shot being there is such a game changer for the Raptors as a whole, but you know, he was getting to the rim really efficiently. And then, yeah, the Danny green third quarter was just you know, explosive and exactly what Toronto needed. I felt like to really secure this game. It's, it was, if Danny green didn't have that kind of like stretch where he hit, what was that? Like four or five, uh, like threes, like, you know, with only a possession or two separating each one, it was you know, that that if that didn't happen, that was the moment that Golden State really could have crawled back into this. But he kept them alive. Uh, Ibaka too. He had six blocks tonight. I think it was. Um, you know, he he had some some good moments offensively. He definitely hesitated to shoot the ball a lot, and you know, it was you know, I'm not counting on him as being one of Toronto's main options, especially as we just talked about with everyone else, but. I mean, his defense around the rim, it, that, it, both teams really were kind of like really protecting the rim well, especially the the guards were getting involved there and Danny Green had some blocks and uh, and it, it, they nobody was making it easy for each other at the rim, but I just, you know, especially wanted to single out Ibaka on there. He was just kind of a menace. Yeah, I think both teams had the requisite hunger to win tonight. It's just the Warriors didn't really 
have much of a punch, much of a punch outside of Steph. I'm surprised the Raptors gave Steph a little bit more space at times. I didn't really think they did a good job defending him. He was able to get cleaner looks than he should have considering what was around him. I mean, in the first, in the starting lineup, there wasn't a single other person that you worry about taking three pointers. And he started that game. He got like right off the bat. I think he missed the first one, but it was an absolutely wide open, clean look. The, the Raptors defense was not sharp tonight. I, I The Warriors just didn't have the guys to make shots. Yeah, absolutely. There were a ton of um, point-blank looks at the rim and uh, wide-open spot-up looks from three that the Warriors just really couldn't capitalize on tonight, and that made the difference in capitalizing those big runs. Yeah, I mean, it was... I Do you think that Steph got... That, or do you think their coverage on Steph was better or worse after they took uh, after they swapped out Van Vliet for uh, for Danny Green coming into the third quarter? I think I think it was just a little different. Um, Steph wasn't hunting looks at the start of the third as aggressively as the first. Like you could tell from the get go in the game, kind of he made it an emphasis. Like Steph usually tries to defer and like see which teammates have it going, but tonight it was like instant. He went into kill mode. Like he took ten shots in something like the first seven minutes. Um, but Van Vliet's a really solid defender. He's really good at getting into Steph's body. I think that might might have impacted how the Warriors' offense flowed. I like I liked how they played defense on him in the second half. I think Steph saved. Look, he was still great, obviously, but uh, getting to the foul line, he he was. It, it was more the shrewdness of that than as much of it was clean looks in the first half. So I did think the Raptors defense got uh, the Raptors defense improved as the game went on. Agreed. Um, He was just as effective on the stat sheet, but I think he definitely had to work more for what he got in the second half. So I want to uh, focus a little bit more on the Knicks side of things and talk about uh, Jarrett Culver coming to town. But really quickly, I want to tell you all about our sponsor ship station. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, listeners to the Next Wall podcast and any Blue Wire podcast can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Jared Culver stopped by the Knicks this week. He has already... Uh, done or he has a couple of uh, workouts lined up with the Bulls, the Hawks, and the Cavs moving forward. Uh, he had a workout done with the Lakers already. Um, 
he is certainly a guy who's going to be in the mix, uh, you know, for the Knicks at three. I, I feel like regardless of what ends up happening with that pick, like Barrett's the front runner, uh, you know, however they view the guys, like from our perspective, Barrett, Barrett seems to be the front runner. Uh, Garland is kind of like the, uh, the runner up there. And I feel like Culver is a little bit of the dark horse in this scenario. And like, I don't really know all that much about Jarrett Culver. Have either of you guys watched a good amount of him so far? I'm pretty upset Kyle isn't here tonight because I wanted to have this. Uh, we we went back and forth about in this on uh, Slack. I like so I I'm I'm happy if the Knicks take RJ, but I'm basically at a point where I'm cool with RJ. I'm cool if they take Culver. I'm cool if they take Garland, and I'm cool if they take Clark. So how I think the smart way to go about this, it sounds like the Cavaliers are absolutely in love with RJ Barrett. Let the cap basically try and make what the trade that the Mat the Hawks made with the Mavericks last year, and that led to the Hawks getting having a, two picks, eight and ten. I think it was the tenth pick they got from the Mavs. So you do that, you get next year's pick. It's going to be lightly protected, and maybe you try and get twenty six. Also, you drop back from three to five. You still get one of those guys, and yeah, I'd be happy if they have Culver there. Culver and Barrett's numbers in college are basically identical. They just got to where they did in uh, different ways stylistically. Yeah, um, I would say the main difference offensively between Culver and RJ um, is that RJ was definitely a lot more ball dominant. Culver is able to function either on or off the ball to get his points. Um, I don't think he was as strong of a playmaker as RJ. Um, this past year, also he's two years older than RJ, and I think that's a big difference to consider. But then, um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, it's not even a competition. Culver's is significantly better, both on ball and team defender for sure. I do think I know people like to bring up the Culver uh, clutch numbers as uh, something that makes kind of a difference. I lean towards that probably being a little bit fluky. Mm-hmm. Guys are mainly going to end up being how they are. It's just in in small sample sizes at times. You're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. And it's good to have someone who's capable of doing something like that. But I it, I don't buy that he's going to be some super clutch player his entire career. Where, and tell me if you agree mm-hmm. with me, Evan, where I think Culver might make sense is if you know it was for a fact you're going to get KD and another player and you don't really think three is going to get used in a trade, it's someone that you're going to keep. In that scenario, do you like Culver more than Barrett? You know, I can kind of rationalize it both ways. Like, I could talk myself into Culver being being able to play off the ball of KD and then if another top-tier free agent signs them as well. Um but also, you know, RJ would have value on a team like that. You know, he'd be able to be utilized kind of as a super six man of sorts. You know, his scoring ability and playmaking ability could keep the bench afloat when KD and possibly another star is resting. So I could see the argument for both. How do you feel on that? I'm, I'm kind of the same way as you. There's hmm. ways to utilize Barrett, even if they have two stars, even playing some with them, maybe his catch and shoot shooting gets a little bit better with not as much attention on it. Maybe that helps him not get the tunnel vision he does at times, even though I think that's that that's they make way too much of a big deal about that. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you, but the defense is where 
if you're trying to win right away, Culver's defense is easier to incorporate and makes him, I think there might be a faster path towards him being a winning player in the, like as a rookie when typically guys that age don't really contribute to winning. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not like, I think he can slide right away into a three and D Chris Middleton type role. Obviously not with the production of Middleton, like Middleton was an all-star this year, but his ability to not need the ball to score, but he'll still dig in and be a hound defensively, um, whatever it takes, that kind of a role. Uh, Culver can step into that right away. And, I mean, the pro to drafting him in that spot, if you're not going to trade the pick, is that you don't need to key in on as many guys like that in free agency. You know, you can fill other certain niches once uh, July rolls around. I had no idea him and Mitch played ball together before. Yeah, I was surprised with that, too. That uh, You would have thought that would have came out at some point. I mean, Culver got a lot of attention in, like, the Knicks' Twitter sphere during the season. I'm I'm kind of surprised no one knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a flashback to lottery night, but I was just hoping the Knicks pick top four because um, the way I saw it, you know, I would have been fine with any of Zion, obviously, Ja, RJ, or Culver. Um, any of those four would have been good to me, and, I mean, falling all the way to five would have been miserable considering both falling that far and just the amount of possibilities with that pick. I kind of like Garland more than Ja now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can see the logic in that. You know, you watch you watch Garland on tape and just his ability to shoot both, you know, off the catch and off the bounce, his his quickness with his handle and using that into a, a lethal pull up both from the mid-range and from really deep. Um that's the value that drives the NBA. You know, we saw it tonight with Steph, like Steph, Harden, Dame, players of those archetypes like that is what runs the top offenses in the league from the point guard position what is the uh garland versus culver comparison look like these are definitely the two process the two guys in like the top five mix that i know the least about so what what did how do they compare against each other you know what's the strengths look like it totally they're just totally different players so with Garland, he's more your lead guard, and where the problem comes in is it, he had more turnovers than assists, and there's some questions about his vision. Even though I thought I, – so the only game I was able to watch in full was against Alcorn State. That's the only thing I had access okay. to. And he made, some, he made some all right passes in that game. I didn't think the, the passing was especially terrible, but I've seen through like stories and other people's clips – passing that wasn't very good. So when you look at like Garland versus Ja instead of Culver is it's like because they're the two guards that they're easier to kind of compare. It's making a bet on Garland being able being an elite shooter and being able to improve his playmaking just enough to be able to leverage that shooting with his vision when necessary versus Ja having the elite playmaking but needing to learn how to shoot. And we always assume that guys are going to learn how to shoot and they can get better at it, but that's not always the case. Some guys are just better shooters than others. And I think I like the bet on Garland's elite skill versus the bet on Jaws elite skill. I do wonder if, say, the Knicks want to go all in on two forwards in free agency as opposed to a forward and a guard. 
you know, they can take Garland, you know, bet on his upside that comes along with the shooting ability that we've seen is what dominates the league right now. And then just put almost every other ancillary piece with the exception of Mitch on the table and go all in on Bradley Beal. Because a Garland-Beal backcourt could be really damn explosive. Early on, if you're going to play Garland big minutes, you're going to want like KD and another wing initiator so Garland doesn't have to do be the one who's always starting the offense. And I wouldn't even want him in that number two slot. But if you have mm-hmm. had him in that third guy with Beal or, say, they Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, someone someone in Middleton, someone else with KD, mm-hmm. and then you had Garland as your third and you could kind of use him off the ball and let him bring him along a little bit slower with some of the on-ball stuff, that would that would be pretty intriguing to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the one thing like that these talks sum up is that the Knicks have plenty of options at three right now. Um, even though RJ is probably the most bankable, like you can envision him in a star role archetype in this draft, there are so many ways and avenues that the Knicks can cross um, because they got pretty much a blank slate this offseason in terms of how they want to build the team. So speaking of how uh, the Knicks are going to build their team, there seems to be a little bit of commotion that's come up over the last couple of days. Um, Stephen A. Smith had this to say about what's going on with the whole uh, the Knicks free agency scenario right now. What I'm hearing is that Kyrie Irving wants to be a Brooklyn Net and may try to convince KD to be one. KD will probably say no, but either elect to go to the Knicks or if the Golden State Warriors lose in the NBA Finals, he may elect to stay with them. If they win, he'd leave, but if they lost, he'd stay. These are the kind of things you're hearing just because you heard that Kyrie Irving is interested in being a Brooklyn Net instead of a New York Net. Now, if I'm KD, I'm flexing my muscle. I'm saying, I'm the man, you my dog, let's go to New York together, to the garden. The flip side is, is that Kyrie's his own man himself, and who knows what he'll be willing to do. We just don't know right now. It was a foregone conclusion. Supposedly, they were both going to the Knicks. Now, it could be up for grabs. I don't know what the hell is going on. I just don't know. But I do know this much. I'm scared as hell because I'm a Knicks fan at the end of the day. And it looks like things might go the wrong way. Damn it! I, I just can't get over Strawberry Fields forever playing in the background of that thing the entire time. Like, it's so goddamn distracting. Um, but, so th- there's a lot going on with the, the Kyrie Irving scenario right now. Uh, we, there are some more news that came out today, too, of him uh, apparently purchasing, renting some kind of uh, apartment or some kind of a space in uh, in New York. Uh, again, that doesn't lead any clarity to the Brooklyn uh, Knicks kind of discussion here. But we've been talking about this for a little bit now about what kind, like how the Kyrie Irving fit in Brooklyn looks pretty damn good, and how they, you know, have everything it would take to make it happen. And that you know, Kyrie, you know, they have pretty much everything he's asking for there. Like this, this whole thing really doesn't come as very much of a surprise to me if there's any credence to it. I'm at the point where I believe Kyrie will be with either the Knicks or Nets. I think the, I think this is the two mm. teams that it's going to come down to. I don't have the slightest fucking clue which one it's going to be. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, I can envision both things, just given like the love affair that KD and Kyrie had back in the All-Star break and the Knicks' ability to pair both of them uh, pretty easily. Like They don't need to make a trade to free up the requisite cap space to make this happen. Um, but also, you know, Kyrie's a weird dude. He's kind of a hipster, and Brooklyn's right up his alley in that regard. He's just like, he's tailor-made for like Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Yeah. It is. And, you know, apparently from uh, seeing what's going around the Twitter versus that the place he was looking at is more on the uh, the Upper East Side of Manhattan, which might make uh, getting to Brooklyn a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, regardless, it, it, like... The fit is there. I I really don't see, like, I can't see Kevin Durant signing with the Nets, but I can see Kyrie Irving doing it. I like, don't. No, no, go ahead. My bad. My bad. No, I just, I all I'm saying is that I just see no, like, no signs to the Durant thing. Like, the, like, the whole Kevin Durant scenario seems very clear cut. Like, he will be Golden State or he'll, he will be in New York. Like, it's the only two situations that make sense for him. Kyrie, like all the free agents this summer are very interesting scenarios of what they've kind of let the uh, let the public kind of know about heading into the the year that they're about to be unrestricted. But I just there's just something about Kyrie Irving and maybe it's just he has a bit of a history of like impulsiveness. But, you know, I totally could see like I almost see the Nets signing him more than the Knicks at this point right now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing necessarily, but I would very much like to just kind of stick to the plan of uh you know signing Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and doing our thing. Yeah. It's I don't I don't I don't love the fit between the Nets if they also bring back D'Angelo Russell. If that's their plan after that is tearing it all down, down rebuilding Oh go ahead Brian. No no go ahead. What what, what I was were you just saying it's a really bad defensive fit. You know you got two ball dominant guards on offense which is fine like they can take turns taking taking shots and uh finding tough buckets but defensively that's a turnstile like just waiting to happen that that's where i am i i agree with you completely i they neither of them have any size any bigger two guards gonna be able to get wherever he wants the point guard initiator is gonna be able to dribble drive at will i i don't I don't get it if it's those two. Now they let Russell go, bring in Kyrie, get a wing to go with him, get a Tobias Harris, a Jimmy Butler. That's a great offseason. That's, a, that's good looking, that. yeah. yeah I just, I'll give him all the credit in the world then. I don't know. Like, I don't know the Nets, you know, as intimately as we know the Knicks, but, you know, it's, I feel like they have an attachment to Russell at this point. I could totally see them making that exact scenario happen. And then what do you do with that team from there? Like what you have, I know that Karuks has been the guy that they're all kind of going, uh, you know, nuts about, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be able to fill that void that they need. They have, you know, they certainly have guys like, uh, like, you know, Jared Allen, but he's still young to be able to fit that kind of timeline. Mm -hmm. It's, they have an inter like if that's the route that they they choose to go, go to go down, then they have a really interesting, uh, you know, couple of years ahead of them from, like we see the limitations and the deficiencies of the Portland Trailblazers right now. And I think from a team building standpoint, right. I think it's very similar. If you go all in on a backcourt that really can't stop the ball like that and both like kind of need the ball to create their own looks. Um, yeah. I, they don't really have the pieces to kind of flank that adequately right now. I don't think. 
Jesus, they still have Alan Crabb under contract, yep. too. That's a doozy of a deal. It's, Jared Allen would fit with them because he'd be able to protect the rim, and sure. he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He makes sense. Joe Harris is a guy who makes sense. Levert, I like their young pieces. I just don't see any of them being able to stack up with like the quality that you know Kyrie's going to bring and like, even Russell on the court together like offensively or defensively. I don't really see many of their players being able to help out on that huge, regard. Yeah, huge but- X factor would be you know, if they can get a playmaking forward to step up, whether it's Karis LeVert, whether it's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, um, somebody, because the defense is going to trap and pressure the guards because that's where the extent of their shot creation will come from. If somebody can leverage that and turn that into easy buckets, like, that makes all the difference for the Nets offensively. That's why it just makes more sense to for them to just do Kyrie and then reach more of their resources into, uh, they need a they need a four, and a bigger wing. It just doesn't make sense for them to sink so much into two, two ball dominant guards like that, that both can't play defense. For as intelligent and masterful of a rebuild that Sean Marks has constructed, I would be very baffled if they wind up for all this for um, Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell. I mean, anything is possible. It seems to be the same thing with our team as well. So I just, (laughs) we've had such a like, linear view on free agency i mean i feel like not even just knicks fans especially since the the you know trade with dallas but fans around the league for this entire year i feel like everyone's had like kind of an idea of how they envision free agency is going to go down and we haven't really changed from any of our individual stances for the most part and now it's starting to get exciting where things are just kind of going fucking haywire like things are just kind of going everywhere nobody knows who's signing where Kawhi maybe just bought a house somewhere. That's the thing, too. People are buying houses places. And that's giving people all kinds of things to speculate about. Uh, NBA gossip turns into HGTV uh, come the offseason. And now we got, like, three days between finals games and shit. Like, we are so bored. It's insane. So bored. Oh, man. Um, well, I can tell you that one space you're never going to have to worry about being bored at is the nextwall.com. We have just the most fantastic staff of writers out there right now. Like I mentioned before, we have our own Evan Cole on there. Uh, do you have anything coming up soon or anything that you were looking to plug? Uh, yeah, sure. So for this weekend, I'm going to write a piece on um, the top performing teams in the playoffs this year and what uh, Scott Perry and co can take from that and apply to the Knicks as they look to build a contender of their own. Yeah. I mean, pretty much, uh, you know, on point with what we're talking about here mm-hmm. today. Uh, check that out. Check out everything else we got up there. Uh, give us a follow. Give us some reviews. Maybe some stars. We'd really appreciate them all. Five of them would be great. Uh, on you know whatever podcast app you're using. I'm not. Uh, you know I'm an Android person. I'm not gonna not gonna sit here and just give you the whole Apple thing. Um, what else do we have to plug here? Uh, listen to Blue. I uh, listen to all the Blue Wire podcasts. I got a lot of them. There's like 36, 37 of them now. Uh, just subscribe go listen to them all give them all reviews i can promise you you're gonna love them uh got guys like uh light years there's candlestick chronicles there's blue wire buckets there's all these ones give them all uh give them all a follow give them all a like give them all a listen um still got the offseason app going strong we got draft season every uh every weekend so you know follow everything we're doing we're doing around here Uh, We appreciate your support, and we will talk to you all real soon.